progress isn't always upward. Mm -hmm. I think that's an interesting part of it is some of the times I've made the most progress was when I was the darkest because what's required of you to get out of the darkness is also stuff that you can really, really build on later. It's almost like the progress doubles. So when I was the brokest in the entrepreneurial journey, what did I learn? I learned sales and numbers and that. Now that's something that I, I'm the CFO of the company now because I learned about numbers. I didn't know that. I didn't want to be the CFO. I didn't go to college. Most people that are the CFOs go to college. So you never know what the conflict will teach you mm-hmm. and how you'll use that when there's less conflict in the future. This is Unconditioning. Discovering the Voice Within, with Whitney and Jenkins. Hello and welcome to the 57th episode of Unconditioning, Discovering the Voice Within, where I bring on guests and we talk about the inner authentic voice and the challenges and rewards that come from following it. This week, I have with me Kevin Palmieri. Kevin is the CFO, founder, and co-host of Next Level University, a global top 100 self-improvement podcast with more than 1,200 episodes, reaching over 700,000 people in more than 140 countries. He believes in a heart-driven but no BS approach to holistic self-improvement and teaching others how to get to the next level of their lives. I had a wonderful time talking to Kevin, getting to know him as a podcaster, and also hear his story and all the wisdom that he learned from his own journey of self-improvement and personal growth to now helping others and guiding them to their optimal mindset in procuring the most satisfying lifestyle. So I think you're going to get a lot of value out of this episode. Here is my conversation with Kevin Palmieri. I am doing very well. Today is one of those back-to-back. I think I have seven shows, seven podcasts today. So it's a very, very busy day, but very aligned because that's my favorite thing to do. Good. Yeah. I have three today. So nice. I'm, I'm not I'm not as seasoned as you. So I'm that's, still, you know. That's, that, trust me. Some <laughs> some people don't want to be as seasoned and there's nothing wrong with that. It's not, it's not for everybody. I try, I always try to do a little research before just to make sure I know the the energy and the message and I enjoyed the message very much. I enjoyed the energy very much. So I think you and I will get along just fine. All right. So you have a very successful podcast and you guide people into aligning with their mindsets in a growth way. Mm. And so in order to be able to do that, you had to go through a lot of experiences on your own in order to be able to be that guide. Yes. And so one of the first things that I like to dive into with my guess is to discover a time that you realized that you had this ability or an inner voice. You could recognize that it was something that was purely your own mm-hmm. coming from yourself. That is a great question. I think for me, it was pretty early on. So one of the, the big parts of my story is after high school, I didn't want to go to college. And that wasn't instilled in me by anybody else. I just think I knew within me, I think I had an understanding that that's just not the path I'm supposed to take. Mm-hmm. Everybody else, and I even at that point in my life, I was pretty conscious of this. A lot of people are doing this because they think they're supposed to. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do it because I'm supposed to. I want to do it because I want to. Because if I'm doing something I'm supposed to be doing, supposed to be doing, then 
it's not necessarily going to be aligned and it's not necessarily going to be fulfilling to me. So I would say in retrospect, that was the first time where I had an inkling of, wow, you have an understanding of yourself and your spirit and yourself as a human and what the experience you want your human experience to be. I would say that was probably the first time that I can connect with. And your upbringing, were you encouraged to like have this voice of your own or were you guided <sighs> in a different way? Not, yeah, not really. I So I grew up in a single parent household. I was raised by, I guess it was two parents, but only one conventional. I was raised by my mom and my grandmother. Okay. And I didn't know my dad. I didn't meet my dad until I was 27. So I think for me, my family was not like your average family. They, you know, it wasn't a white picket fence, mom and dad, somebody comes and picks you up from school. So I think for me, it was that understanding of, all right, I'm already different. Mm -hmm. Let me just be different. Like It's okay to be different. And I think part of me was so uncomfortable with not being normal that I almost think I rebelled against everything else being normal. It's like, I'm already different. Why not just be fully different and just lean into yeah. that version of myself? And I really think that's one of the things that served me the most in my life because, I mean, I'm a professional podcaster. Like how rare and random is that? It's like the rarest thing in the world. And I definitely got a lot of judgment in the beginning, but I think because I had built up that muscle over time, I think it helped me. Yeah. And you were able to connect with your authenticity, right? Yes. And, yes. and which at that age of just graduating high school is pretty rare, I think. Mm, yeah. I I don't know. I think that I don't know it. Maybe at the time it wasn't me necessarily connecting with me. I think it was seeing seeing more of the truth of other people than other people saw. I could see that people weren't super happy. I don't know how I knew, but I could tell there's something behind the scenes here that nobody else is seeing. And I don't want that to be my life in the future. And I think if I do this, that will be the route that I'm taking. And I think ultimately I'll end up where everybody else has ended up. And I think that for me, it was some sort of awareness that I don't know where it came from, but it was, if I do what everybody else is doing, I'm going to get the same result as everybody else. And while everybody claims it's the result they wanted, I don't think that's true. I don't think that's actually the result that they wanted. So I think that was it for me. Yeah, the awareness. Yeah. Did you have any sort of connection to like a spirituality or religion in your upbringing? No, no, quite the opposite. I was very, yeah, no, there was no connection to anything. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> so it didn't come from that. No, yeah. I don't, I, for even in this, it, and these are why they're conversations like this are so wonderful because it, you're pulling at strings that you may have never pulled at in, a, in the way you're pulling. So it's like, I have no idea where that came from. No clue. Well, that's okay. It's, it's good to think, know. It's good to yeah. know that you don't know. I think it's okay to not know everything. Yes, I right? agree. I agree. We'll add a little mystery into life. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you decided to not go to college. So what path did you take? So in high school, I think senior year, I got my first job as a gas station in attendant. So in Massachusetts, where I grew up, that was one of the states where you could have people pump your gas. So that, I think that's rare now. I don't know if it's still happening a lot, but I worked at a gas station where you'd come in, you'd say $20 regular and I'd fill up your car. I'd take your money and we, you know, you'd be off to the next thing. And I remember I definitely had regrets that I didn't go to college when mm -hmm. I was doing that. And I was seeing my friends post on Facebook that they were at these like amazing parties with all these beautiful people. And here I am pumping gas for 
girls I used to have a crush on. That was like a really, really challenging thing for me. But after that, I became a personal trainer. I worked at a hospital cleaning bathrooms and floors, which again was a very humbling, grounding mm -hmm. experience for me. Yeah. Being looked down on by many of the doctors. And I have a I have a very I have a lot of empathy for people who do jobs that aren't necessarily considered flashy or shiny. I have so much empathy, empathy for that. I drove a truck. I was a forklift operator. I was in construction. And then I ended up going to a fire at the fire Academy in Massachusetts. And I was on call firefighter for a very short time. Okay. And then I ended up getting really the job that ended up transitioning me from where I was like old Kevin to current Kevin, I ended up getting a job in the weatherization industry. So many odd jobs is really the, the answer. Yeah. So it seems like you, you learned a lot about what you didn't want to do in order yes. to find out what you wanted to do. Mm -hmm. yeah. Very often, I would say yeah. I, I didn't, I always said, I like working with my hands and I did, I enjoyed that, but I never found significance in what I did. I never felt like I was adding value to the greater good. It's like, yeah, I'm helping this business or whatever it may be, but I was never very proud of what I did. I never had pride in what I did. And a great way to know that is the first thing, if you asked me, what do you do? I would tell you how much money I made. And that's, that would be the thing is like, I make this much money. So it's not the fact that I was doing the job. It's how much money I was making. And that, that helped me realize a lot too. Yeah. Um, did you have any like particular passions growing up that you felt really drawn to as far as like any kind of like athletics or skills or anything like that? Baseball was one. I was a, I was a very good baseball player and I, I was getting, I had a couple of colleges recruiting me to play baseball, but I, I just didn't, again, it was like, eh, not for me. And then one of the other things that I was very passionate about, and I'm still very passionate about was mixed martial arts. So I wanted to be a professional fighter for a while in high school. And again, that was like, I didn't know anybody else doing that. So that was another weird thing that quote unquote weird thing that I was doing, <laughs> but I ended up tearing my shoulder and I had to get surgery. And then I was like, honestly, this is dangerous. And it's probably not the best course of action for me. Those were two things where I was very, very, very passionate about them. But that passion, at least the desire to make it my life's purpose, it kind of faded with time. Yeah. So a little bit of a redirection. Yeah. Sorry to go back to high school, but I was curious about that because you were talking about your fulfillment in mm -hmm. your, your work. Uh, so you said weatherization was the job that you found to kind of like catapult you to the next phase of your life. Yes. So uh, I was, I had just graduated the fire academy and I had this stark realization that the odds of me becoming a paid firefighter are pretty low because the way it's, if you're a veteran or you're a police officer, you've, you've been in the military, you have a much higher likelihood of doing that. And I hadn't done any of those things and I didn't really have any connections. So I knew, honestly, this is probably a long shot. And I was in this kind of down phase in my life where I was becoming broke pretty quickly. I didn't have a real job. And my girlfriend at the time her aunt worked for a city in Fra it's Framingham, Massachusetts. And she said, we're doing this job fair. You should come. There's going to be a lot of things, skills, 
trades you can learn and we might be able to connect you with a job after. And I was like, all right, I don't have anything else going on. Like, let me see what this is about. So I went to this job fair and I learned a skill called weatherization. And all weatherization is, is you go into a house or a building and you make it more energy efficient. So you could do stuff on the windows. You could put weather stripping on doors. You can work in the attics, that sort of thing. And again, I like working with my hands. Cool. Let me try this. So we get to the end of this class, I guess it's considered. And I get brought up to the office of the person who brought me in. And she said, you have a great personality. And I was like, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Usually this isn't going somewhere positive. What's happening? But we want to connect you with one of the best companies that recruits from us. And I was like, okay. And she said, the only downside is there's a lot of travel. And I was like, not interested. Don't want to do it. I'm a homebody. I'm not, I don't want to travel. And she said, the upside is you'll make anywhere from 40 to $60 an hour. And I was like, there is no way this is real. There's absolutely no, no way this is real. And she said, this is what I'll do. You can think about it. I'll connect you with the, the president of the company, the owner of the company, and you can kind of take it from there. So I remember I talked to him and he's like, hey, come in for an interview. And I was like, all right, I okay. I got my khakis on, I got my button up shirt. And I literally worked. I helped him move stuff in one of the trailers that they had for storage. And we got to the end and he said, you have a really great personality. And I was like, <laughs> oh boy, okay, here we go. I, I'm actually gonna let you jump the line because we have other people who are waiting, but I think you'll be a better fit for the company. And I was like, all right, what are, what do we even do? Like, I don't even know what this is. I've never done this before. And he said, well, we work in schools and we work in state-owned buildings and we work in the ceilings and we work in the attics. And this is some of the stuff that we do. Are you interested? And I was like, yeah, I'm interested. He said, all right, the only downside is on the first job, you're going to be making $10 less an hour than everybody else. And I was like, I knew it. I knew there was a catch. And he said, so you'll be making 50 bucks an hour. And I was like, oh my goodness. Just imagine like, trumpets going off. <laughs> and I was like, all right, cool. And he said, we're probably not going to be leaving for the job won't start for like a month or two, but when it does, I'll reach out and you're in. And I remember leaving that that day, like, okay, my life is going to change drastically here. And I was at the movies a month or two later broke. I should not have been at the movies. I don't even know how I afforded to get into the movies, honestly, but I got a, I got a call from my boss and he said, Hey, we're ready to go. We're leaving next week. Are you good? And I said, yeah, where are we going? And he said, Delaware. So the first job I ever worked with this company, I got in a car with a man that I had met one time, packed my suitcase. We drove eight hours from Massachusetts to Delaware. We, I lived in a house with seven other people I had never met before. And then I proceeded to learn a job that I didn't know how to do in a state that I had never been mm -hmm. with people I had never met. And it was one of the most challenging things ever of all time. And I remember, Whitney, when we got down there, the first week I could literally only afford breakfast, uh, no, uh, deli meat, bread and chips. So mm -hmm. I had, I just, that's what I lived off of for the first week. Cause I didn't have any money, but I remember when I got my first paycheck, it was like, there's no way, there's no way this happened to me. Like, how did this happen? I mean, 40 hours at $50 an hour. That was the most, that was the most money I'd ever seen. So that yeah. was a huge turning point for me where it felt like the risky decisions I had made had mm -hmm. finally paid off. Yeah. Following, following that thing inside of you. Mm. Yeah. It paid off. We made it. We made it. <laughs> okay. All right. So living in a house full of seven people that you don't know, that had to be interesting too. It was terrifying. 
Yeah, I might seem like I'm very extroverted. I am not. I do I do <laughs> not do well around new people. I do now better than I ever have, but it was interesting because it was the first time that I had ever spent a significant amount of time with people from different races or cultures. Mm-hmm. And that was it was super highlighting for me and it was amazing and I learned so much. But it was very much feeling like an outsider, feeling like I don't belong. Mm-hmm. feeling like I'm not good enough to be here. Everybody else knows what they're doing. I have no idea what, I don't even, I don't even know this person's name. Like, well, I don't know. What are we doing here? It was, it was really challenging for me. And I looked back on that and I, I reflect on that often. And I honestly don't know how I did it. I don't know how I had the bravery at that age with social anxiety and what I was dealing with to just do that. I have no idea. I just must've believed at some level it was going to be very worth it. Mm-hmm. That that was the belief I must have had because I don't know why I did it other than the money. Yeah. Maybe the money was the driving factor. Yeah. But also you seemed to step away from the normalness even by deciding not to go to college. Like that was like a, a big decision that you made that was different than yeah. what you were, you know, surrounded by. So yeah. well, and even that job, that was the interesting thing was so if you fast forward a couple of years, I ended up so I was dating somebody. I had, a, I had a girlfriend. We were living together in New Hampshire and she wanted to chase her dreams. She wanted to move across the country to California and, and go do entrepreneur stuff. And I remember I was so insecure and I was so scarce that I just, I gave her every reason in the world why she shouldn't do it. Like, what if you fail? Gas prices are high, real estate, blah, 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 blah. The truth is I was afraid of being left behind mm-hmm. and I was just super insecure. She ended up leaving me, which is the exact thing she should have done. That's That's the right <laughs> thing. But when she left me, I was like, okay, I'm going to dip my toe into this self-improvement stuff, but I think I need to make more money. I actually think that's the, that's the real problem here. I need more money. So that next year I said, I'm going to make the most money I've ever made in my entire life. And I did, I made six figures that year, but I spent 10 months on the road. So even that is such a rare thing where I missed, I mean, I was on the road for my birthday certain holidays that other people got off. I was literally in a hotel in New Jersey getting ready for work. So mm-hmm. I, I think I've always thought to myself, I don't necessarily care if this is the path that other people would take. I do believe it will be worth it for me eventually. And I just, that's been a through line. I mean, we didn't talk about this, but all of those other jobs I had, I quit most of them without having any other job. I mean, I quit being a personal trainer I, when I signed up there, I signed a contract that said, if I leave before 12 months, I have to pay a thousand dollars because the training that they gave me was valued at a thousand dollars. I think I quit seven months in and they said, you know, you're gonna have to pay us a thousand dollars. And I said, just let me know where cash or check I'm done. Like, I hate this, but I didn't have another job. So I was just kind of winging it. I think that's just kind of the, that's one of the through lines of my life, which is very interesting in retrospect. I do not advise people follow that because there's a lot of turmoil that can come with that. But yeah, but there, there's a belief, an intrinsic belief in yourself that you would be able to find something after that. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it was conscious. It definitely wasn't conscious. It was, well, it's worked out every other time, right? So maybe it'll work out again. And I think to your original point, I mean, I've learned a lot about what I didn't want to do. I mean, I've, I've learned a ton about that, which is valuable. I mean, that's very valuable information to have. So I'm grateful now. I don't know right. if I was super grateful at the time. Yeah. So the weatherization job of traveling, did you find that fulfilling? 
I think at the beginning I convinced myself that it was fulfilling, but no, it was, again, when I take a step back and I zoom out, it was pretty toxic, right? Like I would get up at, you know, some days I get up at like four in the morning. We drive eight hours to a new state, check into the hotel, change into my clothes. And then I'd work an eight hour day. Like that's not super healthy. And then at night we get KFC or Wendy's or whatever, because you don't have the ability to cook. So no, I think for me, it was the money. And if you, if you took away the money and you said, you're going to make the same amount of money you made at the last job, I would not have done it. So there's your telltale sign. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, it was, it was mostly the money. Yeah. It, it sounds like almost the opposite of like a touring musician. Yeah. 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 I used to say it was, a I had the rock star lifestyle with it without any of the benefits of being a rock star. <laughs> right. The hotels were, were gross. Yeah. There was no concerts. It was, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty challenging, but this is the interesting thing too. My business partner and I went to, so we just gave a speech in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, two weeks ago. We drove from Milwaukee to Toronto, which is a nine hour drive, eight hour drive. I drove the whole way because I'm used to driving long distances. Mm -hmm. It doesn't bother me. We were in Toronto for three or four days. The last day we were there, got up at 6 a.m., had a full day, drove home after the full day. And I didn't get to my door until 7.30. So at the t- when I got home, I had been up for 25 hours and I had driven for, I don't know, maybe 12 or 13 hours. But like the only reason I'm capable of doing that is because I did that so long before. So I'm mm-hmm. able now to take some positives away from the, the potential negatives, which is nice, but I wasn't always at that stage. Yeah. You picked up the skills along the way. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So how long did you stay in this position and what happens after that? I stayed there, I was probably there for four or five years. And what happened was the year I made that money, I remember I had my final pay stub in my hand. It was the end of the year. I was standing at my kitchen table because my ex-girlfriend took the chairs. They were her chairs and (laughs) I was never home. So I never bought new ones. It didn't matter. And I remember opening my pay stub and I was like, okay, I made $100,000 at 26, no college degree. Awesome. I accomplished what I wanted. It felt good for all of two minutes. And I had another moment of awareness where it was, you put all of your internal happiness and fulfillment into external results. You did it again. You've done this before. In that moment, I realized that for most of my life, I had lived unconsciously. The opposite of unconscious is hyperconscious started a podcast called the Hyperconscious Podcast and quite literally fell out of love with my job and in love with podcasting. Mm-hmm. And from there, I started calling out of my job. I started showing up late. I started leaving it early. The, the price of what I was going to do was not worth the promise that I expected at the end. That's it. It just shifted. I don't care about the money. I can't be on the road for another year. I cannot physically do it. And it literally got to the point where I would have to be in New Jersey, which is like seven hours from where I lived on Monday morning at 7 a.m. to start the job. I would go to sleep in my bed at home at like 9 p.m. I would sleep until 1130 or midnight and I would get up and drive seven hours to the job and then I'd work an eight hour day and then I'd go to the gym because I was so sick of being on the road. I was so homesick and it just kept getting worse and I kept feeling like I was stuck and hopeless and helpless and just trapped. And I woke up one morning, Whitney, in a hotel room in New Jersey, probably 5.15. 
alarm clock goes off, I sat up, slid to the edge of the bed, lacing up my work boots. And that morning there was, it was basically like there was 10 televisions on in my head at the same time. And every single one was on a different station. And one was saying, you're stuck here forever. I know you want to leave, but things are way too good here. You're never going to get this again. If you do work up the courage to leave, what are your friends going to think? All of your friends look up to you because you make a boatload of money and your life looks really good. What is your family going to think? Your family is super proud of everything you've accomplished. You make more money than anybody in your family. Like that's significance. And if you do work up the courage to leave, do you think you're going to do this podcast thing? Like, is this really the train that you're going to ride off into the sunset? And in that moment, I felt like if I was to take my life, I would take my problems with me. And that's, mm -hmm. that's really where I was at that yeah. point in my life. And I had a friend who's now my business partner and my co-host. And I sent him a message and I texted him. And he is somebody who is very, very self-aware. And he's been into self-improvement basically his entire life. And I said, hey, Alan, I'm struggling, man. I'm in New Jersey. You know what I'm doing. Like, you understand my life. I'm having these dark thoughts. I'm depressed. I'm anxious. I don't know what to do. Like, what do I do? And he said, Kev, so much has changed over the last couple of years in terms of your awareness of self and environments, but your environment hasn't changed a ton. I think it's time for you to change your environment. So three or four months later, I ended up leaving that job and beginning this journey of an entrepreneur trying to figure out how to make money with a podcast. And it's been an interesting journey of, for most of my life, I felt like I was really riding low, mm -hmm. very successful for a short time, back to riding very low, maybe lower than I ever had with the hope and the goal of making this journey the most fulfilling thing I could. And that's, that's where we are today, five years later, where we're actually, I can say I'm holistically successful. Yeah. I'm not just financially, I'm, I'm fulfilled. Like I get to, I told you this before, Whitney, this is, I'll, I'm going to do seven interviews today. Right. I, I love it. So it's not like this isn't, oh my God, I don't want to do this. I love being able to talk to people. And at one point, this was quite literally my dream. So I try to remain humble and grateful with that. But now I'm actually fulfilled, which I think is the ultimate version of success for me. That's fantastic. Thank you. Congra congratulations Thank on that. You. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. And you built up the stamina from having to drive all those hours. So now you can sit and drive your podcast <laughs> from that time. It's true. It's true. I didn't realize that that would be valuable later, but it's yesterday or Monday is our marathon Monday, we call it. I work from 4 a.m. until 8 p.m. every Monday. And I would not be able to do that if I didn't have the experience that I do. So I think that's an important part. Right. So from that moment in the hotel room, how did your mindset in particular change to getting to where you are currently? Mm. I would say the, the simplest form is I had a very, very fixed mindset where everything is the way it is forever and there's no way to change it you are not smart enough. You are not capable enough. You're not a business owner. You're not an entrepreneur. Like you've never studied any of that. This isn't going to work to almost everything is figure outable with enough time and enough effort. And this might be the biggest thing. There's no such thing as failure unless you stop trying completely. And I know you could put that on a Hallmark card and it would sound really good, but that's really, I mean, we, as of this moment, we've recorded 1,175 episodes. I've messed up 
every single one in some way, shape or form. It's never been perfect and it never will be. Just like on this, I'm sure I'll say something where it's like, oh, I can't remember the word or I said like or um or but too much. That for me, my mindset has shifted where I used to think everything had to be perfect every day. And now I realize that that's non-existent. It's not a real world. And if things are quote unquote perfect, I'm probably not growing because by definition, when you're growing, things are uncomfortable and there's conflict and you're going to mess things up. I would say that's probably been the biggest shift for me is going from a very ultra fixed mindset to a way more developed growth mindset. Yeah. Unconditioning yourself. Unconditioning. The way. Yeah. There we yes, go. 100%. Yeah, because uh, I think so much of what we're taught is that if you go through a dark moment, you're going in the wrong direction, mm. when sometimes it's necessary to go through those in order to get to where you need to be. Yeah. Progress isn't always upward. Mm -hmm. I think that's an interesting part of it is yeah. some of the times I've made the most progress was when I was the darkest. Because what's required of you to get out of the darkness is also stuff that you can really, really build on later. It's almost like the progress doubles. So when I was the brokest in the entrepreneurial journey, what did I learn? I learned sales and numbers and that. Now that's something that I, I'm the CFO of the company now because I learned about numbers. I didn't know that. I didn't want to be the CFO. I didn't go to college. Most people that are the CFOs go to college. So you never know what the conflict will teach you mm -hmm. and how you'll use that when there's less conflict in the future. Right. It can, it can uh, be a great teacher for you. Yes. Yeah. So you now help people with their mindset mm. and you're a coach to help them to perhaps look from a different perspective. So when someone is in a really dark place, like with a depression perhaps, and that has many shades what can you say that might help them get out of that place? It's tough. One of the things that I've tried to be the most humble with or when it involves this is I try to tell people to do therapy. And one of the biggest reasons is I'm not a therapist. So I can't tell you what to do because I don't know. I know what worked for me, but it would be irresponsible of me to try to coach you through that. And honestly, there has been times where whether it's people I know people I've been coaching or people who are in our community who have been suicidal, where it was like, oh, I'm not, this is way over my head. Like this is way beyond any scope that I can handle. So that's been a very humbling thing. But I think one of the things that we always tap into is identity. The beautiful thing about self-improvement is there's so much room for you to grow. The challenging part of, of self-improvement is unless you're working with somebody one-on-one -on -one behind the scenes, it's very hard to start shifting your identity. Because you have to be very, you have to be wildly specific. So that's one of the things we do is we say, all right, who are you? Like, who is Whitney? And the person will go and it's like, all right, cool. Who else? Okay, cool. This is who you are. And then you can say, okay, well, who was Whitney five years ago? And this is who Whitney was five years ago. Okay. Who's Whitney in five years? And it really helps somebody understand like, who do you actually think you are versus who are you really? And then there's, so that's like the deeper understanding and the awareness and then from there, it's most people that I've worked with in the past are self-conscious, they have low self-belief, and they have low self-worth. That's just the audience that we have attracted because I had very low self-belief and I had almost no self-worth. It makes sense. So for most people, what I'm trying to do 
is I'm trying to get them to understand that the vast majority of their life has been lived and existed within their comfort zone, which is actually holding them back way more than they could ever understand. So I'm trying to give them the support, the belief, and the tactics to expand their comfort zone, thus realizing that there's way more to life than they're currently seeing. And that's really, that's really been my experience. So that's what I try to help other people with. Because if you don't have the belief that you can do something, you can't. It just, it shuts it off right there. If, right. if there's a lock on the door and you don't have a key and you jiggle it once, you're going to say, well, I'm stuck here. This is it. When in reality, you have a key, you just don't know it yet. Yeah. And when it, and when it comes to mindset and the tactics that you were sharing, habits and the creation of them probably come into play. Yes. Yes. How do you present habits in a way that they don't seem restrictive? Because sometimes habits and that word can have a difficult connotation in people not being able to maintain their freedom mm. and being stuck to this like rigidity. So how can that be presented in a way that it can be explained that no, habits can actually help you have more freedom? Yeah, that's it's a great question. It's, it, it is a challenge at times. I try to start with this. It's a bit of a reframe. Whether you know it or not, you already have habits. And you're already restricted by them because they're stopping you from getting the results that you want. It, going to Dunkin' Donuts on the way to work every day is a habit. And it's quite restricting when it comes to you saving money, being the healthiest version of yourself, whatever, whatever it may be. I like to start with that. Whether you know it or not, you already have habits. If you were just to pivot or redirect from potentially negative to more positive habits, your results in your life would change exponentially. And I think you also, at the end of the day, you must attach it to something that you value. That's one piece is I track a lot of habits, but I'm trying to maximize my potential. You don't want to do what I do. You shouldn't. It's not good for you. What if you just broke it into one thing under health, one thing under wealth, and one thing under love? Simple. So for me, it's always about sustainability first. If it's not sustainable, it won't work. It's just, you're not going to do it long enough. So yeah, it's honestly, it's a challenge. It's a challenge for many people, but I try to get them to understand that you already have habits. You already are, are practicing things every day. Number one, they're probably not by design. They're by pleasure or they're by ease or whatever is the most convenient. Number two, if you do continue practicing these habits for the foreseeable future, do you think you'll get where you're going or where you want to go? And then number three, you're already restricted in some way. It just doesn't seem like it because you've been doing it for so long. It, it's, and it's just the, it's just the opposite. <laughs> when you start tracking your habits, you don't feel restricted because you've been doing it for so long. So yeah, it's, it's a challenge. Full disclosure, it is definitely a challenge. But I try to share my story. I didn't want to track mm -hmm. habits. I remember when Alan, Alan was the one who said, hey, you should start tracking your habits. And I was like, no way, man. I'm going to carry an index card around all day and write down my habit. I can't do that. <laughs> and now I have 25 that I track every day. I can't imagine not doing it. I can't imagine it. I just, I don't know what I would do if I woke up and I didn't have that to look at. Like, I don't, I don't know. I wouldn't, I know I wouldn't be successful, but again, that's me. I do think it, it can benefit anyone but I do understand the fear or hesitancy around it because it can seem constricting at times, but I think it, given enough time, if you practice it and you start to see the results, you'll buy into that process. 
Yeah, for sure. Of those 25 habits that you track, it seems that you try to maintain a holistic balance in your life. So of those 25 habits, are they directed into all of the different areas of your life? Yes. So to your point, I do try. I I, <laughs> I try to frame it as it's kind of a juggling act, Yeah. right? Because in an ideal world, yeah, I could give 33% of my energy to three things. In the real world, it doesn't really work that way, unfortunately, or at least for me, in my experience. So yeah, I break it up into health, I break it up into wealth, and I break it up into love. So health is I weigh myself every day, I track my calories, I exercise 30 minutes a day. Like Those are simple, simple health things. I try to get enough sleep, obviously. Wealth is I track our finances every single day. I connect with a potential client. And I learn, I, at least 30 minutes every day, I'm learning my own self-improvement, my own personal mm -hmm. development, which will eventually, eventually bring wealth. And then under love, I have meditation for myself. And then every night before I go to bed, my wife and I say one thing that we're grateful for about one another. That's something that, and even I just redid my schedule. So this isn't like a habit, quote unquote, but I just redid my schedule where I've been working from I get up early, but you can't really get a hold of me until like 10 a.m. Like mm -hmm. that's when I start doing my interviews. So I've been working 10 a.m. until at least seven, pretty much every day for the last few months. And my wife said, hey, I don't feel like we're getting enough quality time. Like, is there any way you can shift your schedule? So now I'm shifting my schedule from nine to six, where I'll be done at six most nights and we'll be able to spend time together. So mm -hmm. that's become a more conscious mm -hmm. thought maybe than habit. Yeah, you're you're learning to uh, instill boundaries around yes. yourself. Yeah, which, which is can hard. Be really tricky because which is hard. Those are are constantly moving. Yeah, yeah, and especially when you're into this self improvement and personal growth, and you're changing and sometimes making subtle changements. Change changements. That's not a word. It is changes. Now. <laughs> <laughs> changes over a period of time. And the people that are surrounded by you and who are surrounding you see those changes. How can you be authentic in your changes without the judgment of the others around you? I don't know that you can. Honestly, I, it's very hard to control the response from other humans. So one of the things I always talk about, and this is just an interesting thing, no matter what, you're going to get the feedback eventually you can either give feedback along the way or you can get it all at once at the end. And I think what happens with a lot of people is they have these relationships where there's very little feedback ex exchanged. The relationship just isn't vulnerable. There's, nobody really knows what's going on under the scenes or behind the scenes. So when you make a change or you grow, you get villainized because it's like, how dare you? How dare you grow? <laughs> when in reality, the person doesn't either A, understand why you're doing it, B, they assume you think you're better than now. C, they're afraid they're going to be left behind. And those are all potential things that could happen, right? I think that you have to understand that there are certain people who, there's three types of people. There's the type of person who wants to see you win. There's the type of person who doesn't care whether or not you win or lose. And there's the type of person who doesn't want to see you win. You're going to get that response level from each person in a different bucket. So, you must believe in what you're doing more than you believe in the judgment of others. I, you will get judged by some, you will be rewarded by others. 
you can't necessarily control other people's responses, but you can attempt to control your response to theirs is what I would say. It's yeah. That's part that that's the part that kind of stinks. Like when you grow, some people are turned off. Some people are attracted to, some people are indifferent, but you have to decide who do you want to express the truth to? Who's worth it to you for you to say, let's have this conversation. Let's do this. Like, let's really be real and talk about it. And then from there, you'll figure out, okay, who are the people that are going to be here for the long run? Yeah. Have you discovered that your social circles have changed from the time you were in that hotel room and had that job to now? So this is another interesting thing about me. I think in a way I've always been optimizing for this lifestyle. I just don't think I knew it. I've always had a very small circle. For me, it is quality over quantity. Mm-hmm. I don't need 50 people. I don't, I don't want to be texting 50 people. So I will say the, the common aspirations of my circle has definitely changed. Back, back then it was, how do we have fun tonight? That, that was really it. Like, how do we hang out and have fun? Now it's how do we get to where we want to go in regards to what we're doing. So I would say that's been a, a big piece of it. And I think people now know me at a deeper level because it's, it's very clear that I'm passionate about what I do. And I think people realize that for me, it's, I don't really necessarily care about just hanging out right. anymore. I mean, I do. I enjoy that every once in a while, right? But for me, I'd rather be doing this. I just yeah. I would just rather be doing this than on vacation <laughs> somewhere on the beach. This is just, this is better for me. Yeah. Yeah. Your, your passion is shining through and obviously it's working for you. So because you've been using your authentic voice in your podcast and engaging with people and you're now in your, the thousands of episodes that you've done, Hmm. what is your takeaway of your own personal growth within your podcast from the, when, when you started to now? confidence is a skill confidence is a habit and confidence is learnable that's the biggest thing for me i i would not recognize this version of me five years ago but again i understand nobody knows this version of me five years ago so it's that weird thing but trust me i was not I was not confident during any of the interviews. I was not confident during any of the coaching calls. I still have moments where I lack belief. Still, you think it would go away. I still have those moments. <laughs> Confidence is this elusive thing that we believe either we have or we don't. And that just is not true. It's, it is a scale. It is a spectrum. And it is something that if you work on every day, and this is me talking to Kevin, if you work on it every day, five years from today, you might be the most confident person in the room. You, it's very possible. It, it's just very possible. It, we, I had a very unique experience that really highlighted this for me. Probably a year and a half ago, and I was pre-COVID, my wife said, hey, there's this thing called skip the small talk. It's this thing you do where you sit around with a group of people, they pull out some sort of card, and you just have a deep conversation with a person across from you. And I was like, that sounds like the worst thing that's ever been created. <laughs> I have no interest in that. And she said, well, it would mean a lot to me if you would come with me. And I said, all right, I will do that for you. We end up going to this thing, skip the small talk. And I had this moment where I was like, oh my goodness, this is easy for me. I've had hundreds of, this is nothing. For me, that kind of like realigned things of, I'm way more confident than I thought I was. I've just been comparing to myself this whole time. 
So that was a really interesting thing for me where if you put me in a room with people and I have to start a conversation, it's not that hard anymore because I have the reps. That helped me understand that your confidence is connected to what you're doing. Yeah. Wherever you have the most reps, you will most likely be the most confident because you will be the most competent. Where you're really good, you're probably really confident. So yeah, that's been the biggest thing. The biggest highlight for me is confidence is a skill and it's something that you can learn, but you can't learn it unless you admit you don't have it yet to the level that you want to have. Yeah, I agree with that. Actually, sometimes small talk frightens me more than deep conversations. <laughs> Similar. I understand. I do understand that. It's like, am I too much? Like, what if I ask you about your dreams? What's going to happen? What do you want to do for the rest of your life? Like, that can be weird for sure. I know it wouldn't with you, but I, yeah. you know, it makes sense. Yes. So because you are tracking your habits so steadily and you're so focused on your personal growth, what would you like to happen for yourself Hmm. in the future? I'm looking forward to, and this was a very important thing for me to admit, I'm looking forward to a higher degree of financial freedom. I'm I'm very much looking forward to when, you know, spending $300 is like spending $3. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that. One of the reasons is because I can be more abundant. I saw somebody post something today. It was a GoFundMe for somebody I went to high school with. And I had a moment of sadness where they were trying to raise $20,000. And I was like, in five years, I'm going to do, I'm just going to do it. Like, I'm going to give them all of that. And that'll feel so good. And I will, and it can be anonymous. I don't care if anybody knows that. I want that because I know with more financial freedom, I can have more impact. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's I'll say this, it's 51% because I want, I'm, I'm driven by money and I'm driven by nice things and I'm driven by certainty, believe it or not, which is something I've lacked over the last five years. But, and then it's 49%. I understand that I can impact people at a deeper level when number one, I have what they value. And number two, I have the freedom to make sure everything can keep going at the rate that it's going. So that, that's something I'm really, it's, it's hard. I, when you go from financially free to $35,000 in credit card debt in a couple <laughs> of years, it really, it's, it's hard. It's hard. And I always joke it. That took pieces of me. I'll never get back. Yeah. It, it seems though, like what you're doing currently is putting together things that have worked well for you in the past, such mm-hmm. as having the ability to choose your own thing and follow your own voice and your own passion. And I feel like that the money will follow yeah. because you're in your alignment with yourself. Yeah. And the, I mean, you got to think of the mastery too. It's like when you get really good at something, that's another way to make money. Yeah. I mean, when you're the best in your industry at something, people say, Hey, how do I, in that, I have a lot of people that come to me for podcasting help. Never expected that. That was never, I didn't know that was going to happen. So that's actually been one of the biggest parts of our business, which has been great. And that's, I, I get to do what I love every day. So yeah, it's it's very important that it is the balance of, for me at least, what can I be really good at? What can I be really fulfilled doing? And what's really going to impact people? If you do those three things, there's a lot of money coming your way as long as you understand how to do it. But it has to be those three because life can be empty without that. Yeah. Like the service piece is a really... Interesting yeah. one, because I, I just talked to someone else about that. It seems to be a common theme that is coming up with abundance. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think a lot of people have, we went to a seminar one time and they, there was the first slide, big bold letters, business is about making money. That's not true. Business is not about making money. Business is about impacting and helping others. If you impact and help others at a deep level, you will make money. And I think that subtle difference is a completely different life. If you think your business is only about making money, I'm, I would bet money that you're not going to end up fulfilled because it's, that's not what it's about. It's about helping others in the way that you can then you know, monetize down the road. Yeah. Fulfilling your purpose. Yes. Yes. Well, if people would like to work with you or follow you or be part of your world and listen to your podcast, where can we guide them to? I always suggest just look up Next Level University. We're on all the podcast platforms. We're on YouTube. If you want to see us there, an episode every single day, that's always where I suggest you go. I don't want you to give us money. I would rather you listen to us to see if we're the type of people you would want to spend time with. And then from there, if you want to do stuff that you know we're happy to help. But that's where I always send people. That's where you'll get the most value for the least amount of dollars. And I think, again, sustainability, that's the most sustainable place to start. Great. I'll add all of those into the show notes Thank you. so people can find you very quickly. And I have one last question that I usually ask to wrap up. And that is, if your inner voice had a billboard, what would it say to the world? Mm. Being you can... yourself might be the scariest thing you can do, but it's also the only thing you can do. That's what I would say. Yeah. And there'd be a big heart at the end on the billboard. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so much for taking the time and sharing your voice and your wisdom. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me this week. If you're listening and you like what you hear, please consider subscribing and rating this podcast as it really helps get this podcast out to other people who might be interested in hearing it but don't know about it yet. And also, if you'd like to contact me or reach me, you can reach me at unconditioningpodcast at gmail.com or unconditioningpodcast on Instagram. Thank you so much. And until next time, stay tuned in to you.